The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. And we are live to the W2M Network once again for the kickoff, episode 21. Good evening, afternoon, whenever you're listening to this, everybody. My name is Harry Broadhurst. I am your host. Joining me, as per usual at this time, and having to deal with him for a second day in a row for a third (laughs) week out of the last four. What's up, Bisco? Have you enjoyed my presence? No, I haven't, but that's beside the point. I think this is more of a tolerate than enjoy situation. <laughs> I'm unfortunately, my um, at my news reporting for last week probably will not come to pass. But we'll probably talk about that more later. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's a so that happened forthcoming here, Brandon. So you might want to hold off on that one, buddy. The other co-host for this evening's show would be none other than Eric Watkins. Ah, just when I thought it was going to be lonely on my island, feels good. (laughs) Okay. I'm so so disappointed in myself for not sticking with my gut last week. You should have. I know. So, I'm about to say words that I have not yet said this postseason. I'm rooting for Jacksonville on Sunday. <laughs> because obviously the first week's game was against Buffalo. I couldn't root in that game for Jacksonville for obvious reasons. That must be painful for you, uh, Harry, after having them blow you guys out the first week. Well, not quite blow you out, but... You we lost by seven, sucker. <laughs> Um, you know what? Actually, they did me kind of a favor last week when they beat Pittsburgh, because now all these Steelers fans around here that were talking crap to me about my team, I can say, yeah, well, look who knocked you guys out, too. Shut up. (laughs) Not to mention, I'll get into it more. And so that happened. Yeah, one of your players has a very big mouth. Uh, a couple of theirs had even bigger mouths, but, uh, we kind of redeemed ourselves. Well, I was referring to the post game comments by one of your players. We'll get to it when we talk about this kind of stuff. And so that happened. Let's go ahead and, oh yeah. The other person here as well as our executive producer, Sean Garmer, who will chime in here and there as necessary. And he's saying nothing. So we're moving on. (laughs) All right, guys, so we kick off this show as we always do. It's time for Studs and Duds. Eric, Stud, hit me. Now, yes, while there's a little bit of stuff going on post-game, I have to go along to a certain someone who warmed the cockles of my heart with what he said pre-game. He mentioned a couple of scores about how he would accept a win. Boy, hell, one of them hit right on the button. Calais Campbell, I asked you before and I'll ask you again. Can you hit me up with some lotto numbers or can you take me to Vegas? Because in your moment of being Nostradamus, you are my stud. (laughs) Wait, did he actually call the final score of that game? Yes. 
He's I, like, if it comes two to nothing, I'll take it. It comes 45 to 42, I'll take it. I'm here to get the win. <laughs> That's impressive. That is impressive. Yes. Especially, considering, <laughs> especially considering none of us were expecting that much of a shootout. No, <laughs> it was a lot of fun to watch, too. Yes, Brandon Stud hit me. My stud, he only scored one touchdown, but it was the biggest touchdown of the entire season. Stefan Diggs, a 61-yard touchdown run at the end of regulation to give Minnesota the win over New Orleans. I just want to state... I just want to state for a record how ridiculous the point after touchdown was in that game. Oh, God, that was hilarious to watch. The Saints sent their punter out there to be on the defensive line for the point after touchdown. Not not only that, but just how long it took them to get everything situated and for the refs to say, hey, we're not done here. You still need to kick the extra point. That was the most anticlimactic 61-yard walk-off I think I have ever seen in the history of sports. And everybody talks smack about me because I would have, had I been in the right mind, gone for two in that situation. I'm like, look, it's on you for sending out your punter, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you picked the man who caught the football, Brandon. I'm picking the man who threw the football. (laughs) Not to mention, not only did he throw the football for that 61-yard touchdown pass, but earlier in the fourth quarter, he had led the Vikings down the field to kick a then-game leading field goal earlier. I am, of course, referring to the man who is the international backup of choice, Case Keenum. Um, Minnesota, there is zero chance you keep this guy in the offseason. None. Uh, I wouldn't say that if they w- go on to win a Super Bowl and they pay him a ridiculous amount of money. Okay, that means Teddy Ballgame is gone then. Well, of course. If he wins a Super Bowl, he, even if he doesn't win a Super Bowl, just making the NFC Championship, Teddy Ballgame should be gone. If you ask me personally... He might be gone because Shermer might be gone. But if he stays, I honestly think Sam Bradford's the odd man out. Sam Bradford can't find a job anywhere. He's not wanted in Philadelphia. He's not wanted in Minnesota. Oh, Sam Bradford. Could you imagine how Minnesota's season would have been if Sam Bradford had been their quarterback this whole season? Uh, Detroit would have won the NFC East. <laughs> you mean North? North, my mistake, yes. Pretty much. Yeah. So my stud for the week is going to be Case Keenum. Let's flip down, drop it, reverse it. Brandon, I already know where you're going with this. Go ahead and say it. Do you know his name now? Yes, you told me. Okay, did you write it down? (laughs) <laughs> Marcus Williams, and for those of you who do not know, he was the cornerback who was on Stefan Diggs in that last play. It's a jump ball, and Marcus Williams just basically takes a dive. I mean, have I, I mean, I don't know how many sports groups you guys are on, 
Um, he got axe kicked by Booker T. What? He got axe kicked by Booker T. It happened. <laughs> but have you like? I don't know how many Facebook groups you, how many sports groups you guys are on on Facebook. But have you guys seen all of the people saying like, "Oh, there's no chance that that can be legit," because it's ridiculous that he just made that boneheaded of a play, especially when you know. Time is running out. This is the last play of the game. You know they need a touchdown. It, it, it just boggles so, my mind. So what you're saying is the NFL is a work. Yeah. That's what a lot of people are saying right now. Well, I, I, I mean, to be fair, I kind of see the argument because I was even looking at that game and we were talking on, on our Facebook chat. And they were like, oh, 26 seconds left at two timeouts. It's unlikely but doable. I'm like, yeah, I've seen weird things happen. This could happen. So you go to the final play, 10 seconds left. Right before the snap, I said, yeah, it could be done. But boy, hell, do they need a miracle. Look what happened no longer than five seconds after I finished typing that very sentence. I I feel like the appropriate thing to do here would be to infringe copyright and go, there can be miracles. <laughs> and on that note, Eric Dud hit me. Now, see, I respect my dud. I've seen my dud in a lot of big games. My dud as a player and coach, NFL legend. <laughs> I I get that. But Dick LeBeau, seriously, the the Patriots are handing it to you. You don't think to yourself, hey, maybe I need to make one or two adjustments in how we match up against Gronkowski and some of these others, rather than just trying to do the same thing over and over and over and over and repeatedly get burned? Come on, Dick, you're better than that. No. That was way too done word for this week. Is it just me or does anybody else get a my dud has a first name O-S-C-A-R vibe from that? They're the way with he prefaced it. <laughs> you Oscar Mired your dud, Eric. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sitting over here trying. Ate, good thing I ate dinner because I would really be craving hot dogs right now. <laughs> I had to stifle a giggle because I just immediately thought of Oscar Mayer Baloney for some reason. <laughs> which, speaking of which, that Tennessee defense and the vast majority of those referees were full of baloney. Hey, segue. <laughs> My dud for the week is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. You're at home. Yep. It's the number two seed in the American Football Conference. It is Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It is 17 freaking degrees. (laughs) And you let Jacksonville hang 45 on you. Yeah, even I was impressed. You know what? My Bills offense may have horrendously let me down in the final game of the regular season by only scoring three points. But damn it, we only allowed 10. And you had a chance to at least tie the game, but Nathan Peterman. 
Yeah, well, he's not going to have a job come this offseason, so I'm not really worried about it. How fitting that was for Nathan Peterman to end the season for the Bills. (laughs) Almost as fitting as an Eli Manning start streak. Oh, wait. (laughs) Hey, hey, hey. At least we have, if the rumors are true, at least we have multiple jokes to make about stepped in McAdoo next year, considering he is going to both don't literally step, and figuratively the Don't step on the segment. <laughs> Damn it. We have a show that happened to come up still. Leave me something to work with. Anywho. <laughs> I can hear Eric laughing over there. <laughs> Anywho, yeah, like seriously, how do you how do you allow how as a defense, how how do you allow forty-five points in a game where a trip to the conference championship is on the line? Yeah, and especially when one of your guys is saying on Twitter, Oh, we're gonna have two round twos in two weeks. Yeah, about um, that. Eric? Yes. Don't take this the wrong way. That Pittsburgh defense managed to do the impossible. <laughs> they made Blake Bortles look competent. No, I, I have to agree with you. I was like, we were running the ball early on, and I'm thinking, well, that's a pretty solid strategy. Wow, this is working better than expected. Holy Lord, Blake knows how to throw. Where is this coming from? <laughs> Congratulations, Pittsburgh. Enjoy the offseason. I will question one of their decisions, and I guess we can segue this directly into So That Happened. Segue! As Pittsburgh has fired their offensive coordinator. Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. You guys allowed 45 points in a playoff game, and it's the offensive coordinator who gets canned? Who proceeded to put up 42, and Ben Roethlisberger was the best quarterback of the entire uh, divisional playoffs? Yeah, didn't Roethlisberger have like 400 yards? 469, 5 TDs. Good God. Look, I get that there was some questionable play calling there with a couple of situations where they didn't go for it, and they probably should have. But that's not on Todd Haley. That's on Mike Tomlin. Yeah, in what I mean, you, the kind of stirred things up with the whole bar fight situation uh, leading up to the game. So that's why I say I kind of saw this coming. But eh, I think it's still a bad look. Brandon, yeah. anything? Yeah, I mean, we, we've been talking about for a couple of weeks the the craziness that's been going on in New England, but, I mean, Pittsburgh doesn't look like they have their stuff together all that well either right now. I mean, like you said, you know, they put up 42 points against Jacksonville, who, I mean, look at how they did against Buffalo. Um, they are a very good defensive team, so... The fact that the offense was able to put up 42 on them, the offense wasn't the problem this past weekend. 
the problem was the defense. So how do you can your offensive coordinator right after? It's mind-boggling. All right, let's talk other situations here throughout our So That Happened here. And one that we kind of didn't touch on as much last week as I would have liked to due to our focus on the uh, the NFL postseason here. John Gruden to Oakland. Mm. I gotta say, I, I don't think this is gonna end well. I I get it. I understand it. I kinda like it, but this is going to be a very short shelf life. Very short. I mean, if it is true, and I'm pretty sure it's been confirmed by now that uh your main assistants are getting four year deals. That's about how long he's going to be in Oakland and Vegas. I really think once they flip the switch and once they move, that's when things could start to fall apart. Yeah, I mean, it. I, I understand the idea. I like the idea in theory because, you know, Oakland has a very young team. They didn't do all that well this year, but they did well last year. Um and, you know, it seems like if they get, you know, a good coach in there, they could be a team on the rise a la the L.A. Rams this past year. Um, the so. problem the problem for Oakland is that they are in a very tough division. One could argue the best division in the AFC. Oh, I'll agree with that. They're going to have an uphill battle, but with a with an experienced head coach there now, they do. I think they're gonna, you know, blow people out of the water, make Super Bowls or anything like that. No, but do I think that they could make a few playoff runs here and there over the next couple of years? Yeah, potentially. And also, I think the bigger thing with this, and you know, people talk about how, and I mean, I haven't really been following it um, as much as as I should. But I don't know what the attendance has been like for the Knights. But people talk about L.A. being a very fickle city. Um, If L.A. is fickle, then Las Vegas is a thousand times worse. I mean, you know, you have so many things to do in Vegas. Plus, there aren't all that many people who live there year round. So, you know... Where's your fan base coming from? You know, I, so, I would think a lot of them are coming from Oakland still. Oh, I agree with that, but I feel, but at the same time, I mean, again, same situation like I was talking about with, and the better example would probably be the Chargers, um, but that's a little closer drive between San Diego and LA between, or instead of uh, Oakland and Las Vegas. But I feel like a lot of the Oakland fans are going to feel betrayed by the Raiders leaving again to go to another city, and they're going to go and join the 49ers. So, I mean, I don't see that working that way. The answer to your question as far as the Vegas attendance goes, the Golden Knights are currently tied for 16th in the National Hockey League at 17,894 a game. That being said, football is significantly more popular than hockey is. Oh, no, I'll agree with that. But, I mean, I'm not talking about between hockey and football. I'm just talking in terms of city-wise. You know, I just don't know if they have the, you know, the fan base there that's, 
that will be focused on football to go to games as much as other cities. Well, I think if you make it a little bit about football, but something like an event, because you had decent attendance for, say, and I know these are weird examples, the Las Vegas Locomotives of the United Football League. You had good attendance for the Las Vegas Outlaws of the XFL. Now, when I personally think making it more like an event, every year for about the past decade or so, Las Vegas has hosted a big, really weekend-long Rugby Sevens tournament. Now, if they can get that kind of advertising even to something of that extent, yeah, I think you have a lot of people that would come in and say, hey, we're in Vegas for the weekend. Oh, the Raiders are in town. Let's go. Kind of build it upon that to where you don't really have a whole lot of season ticket holders. Well, but... but get more and more transients in to at least somewhat balance things out. I'll agree with that, Eric, but that's what I'm talking about. You know, Mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to rely on, you know, a Giants or an Eagles or a Bears or any of the other big market teams coming in on a weekly basis and getting a ton of their fans coming in for the weekend to go to a game to fill up your stadium you're still going to need a local fan base yeah so even if you can get say i don't know thirty thousand from that local area because with vegas you can kind of draw from other teams that don't really have a powerful draw of their own now granted you would be competing with the places like say arizona and play uh, near there, but it's not necessarily impossible. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Um, but like I said, I just don't know how well it's going to work. But what I was saying in regards to Gruden with this is that I do think that's one of the big reasons why they are bringing him in instead of maybe, you know, a younger coach that may be able to help them more on like, you know, more for the longer term is they're trying to bring in a big name that can draw. Like Eric was saying, Um, I think the key with Gruden is to get his name out there and to say, Hey, come see, you know, former Super Bowl head coach, John Gruden. Oh, absolutely, and that's really the main thing. They know that, okay, they have him in for those first two years. You build a base around that. Say If they're competitive within those first two years, now you're going to have more stakeholders in your building that fan base so you don't have a lot of transients. And The fact that, I'll circle back to the assistants having a four-year deal, that includes the first two years in Vegas. So that gives Gruden some stability about who he can hire so he can focus on building and strengthening the team while everybody up in the front office focus on building and strengthening marketing around him. Yeah, I would agree with that to an extent. I think the fact that these contracts, especially for the assistants, are four years, tells you that this is going to be the transition team from Oakland to Vegas for this Raiders. Oh, yeah. 
regardless mm-hmm. of performance over these next couple of years in Oakland, these is these are going to be the group of people that take Oakland out of the uh, the O.co Coliseum, which is frankly a junk hole, <laughs> and into the new stadium that they're building for them in Las Vegas. No, no more Mount Davis. Ugh, that place is. I hope the A's get a new stadium soon because that that thing needs to be blown up. I, I would assume they would because I mean I don't think the A's are going to want to stay in a football stadium. The A's have been trying to get an angle their own stadium. I want to say as far north as San Jose. Yeah, they were talking about San Jose a while back. But there, there's been so many issues. It's going to be down to them in Golden State, and the Warriors is the only two attractions in the city. And not to mention the Warriors, I believe. I don't know if they've broken ground yet, but there has been talk about the Warriors getting out of town and building a new arena elsewhere. So, frankly, I mean... I think that's part of the reason why the move to Vegas was approved, because even the NFL knows what a dump O.co is. Oh, yeah. Sewage backups. <laughs> that's all you need to know. <laughs> so this will definitely be the transition team from Oakland to Las Vegas for the Raiders. The question is going to be is how competitive is Gruden going to be able to make them there? I will say this much. I think that him working as an analyst the last couple of seasons for Monday Night Football does him a great benefit as he's going back into being a head coach because he had the opportunity to scout almost from a almost from an overhead perspective of these players that will become free agents this season, players that will become free agents next season off of their rookie contracts from the time that he was doing Monday Night Football. This could work out very well for Gruden and the Raiders, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean... Go ahead, Derek. All right, so uh, do we have anything else here, or shall we move on to the next bit here? Yeah, I mean... I think I was just going to say, like, you know, like you were saying, um, you know, I think Gruden can definitely make an impact, especially considering this team was competitive two years ago. And would have been competitive this year if not for all the injuries and stuff that befell them. Yes. Plus, with the quarterback camp, he already has experience with Derek Carr. So that's another big plus. They have a couple of the best weapons in the National Football League. Carr is a top 10 NFL quarterback right now. Amari Cooper might be one of the best, if not the best, wide receiver in the NFL right now. There are weapons there in Oakland. It's just a case of whether or not Gruden's going to be able to tie it all together. We'll see what happens starting next year. Mm-hmm. I look forward to uh, I look forward to following the tale of Oakland for next year here on the kickoff. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and move on here. Um, Brandon, what's this about Belichick to the Giants again, you were saying? Uh, Rumors have come out that the current leading candidate for the head coaching job for the New York football Giants is none other than Minnesota coordinator Pat Shermer. Are you okay with this hire? I mean, if he's able to repeat what he's done in Minnesota, yes, I am. But I do not want... I like we've been talking about last week, and I think we talked about it the week before last. Um, this whole caveat of if he goes, Case Keenum comes with him. Uh, no, 
no, that's not going to work with the Giants because Eli Manning is still the quarterback in New York right now. You assume Eli Manning is still the quarterback in New York. No, I don't assume. I'm saying it outright. That uh, is, I'm telling you that you're that wrong. That is a bit – that is probably, you know, I mean, the losing didn't help, but – McAdoo benching Eli was kind of the last straw for the ownership. Okay, let's look at it this way. Even if Shermer does come and bring Keenum with him, what happens if something happens to Eli again? Wouldn't you like to have somebody like Keenum backing up Eli? Oh, absolutely. But as long as they made that caveat that, you know, Eli is still our quarterback, you can bring Keenum Keenum over and have him learn under Eli even more than he already has and have him be the quarterback of the future, I would still give Eli at least next year to to make, make another run. Okay, this is all under the assessment that Eli actually wants to return to New York. Eric, where do you fall on this? I don't really know if Eli does. I mean, when you're one of those few guys that's mentioning retirement and you're building up the crowd to give you the kind of a hero send-off like they did at the end of this season, you don't want to all of a sudden say, oh, just kidding, I'm coming back. Because you don't perform like injuries aside. He had only about a decent season at best. You have another one of those after this, those fans are going to be very quick to turn on you. And I think Eli's reading the tea leaves and saying, yeah, my time here is done. If I decide to keep playing, I'm going to play for someone else. So that's why I think it's really more of a bonus if you do have Case Keenan, because let's face it, your other quarterbacks that you have right now are either terrible or untested. A lot well, by some by design. Yeah. Well, I'll... I'll... I'll qualify my statements with what you said, Eric, and say if if that is the case, if Eli has gone to John Mara and said, I am retiring at some point during the offseason, so don't worry about, you know, don't worry about me, then I am perfectly fine with this hire because then you're bringing in... Now, the issue is... You know, yes, Case Keenum has said that he wants to leave with him if he does leave, but Minnesota isn't going to like that, especially if they're able to get past Philadelphia and make it to the Super Bowl, or even better if they win it. So, I mean, this is going to be very interesting to see uh, over the offseason, especially depending upon what happens over these next couple of weeks with the playoffs. Um, but I mean, if, if they can get Shermer and, and case Keenum after they won a super bowl, I'm all for it. I just, I don't think that, I, I don't think that, uh, that Keenum leaves Minnesota if they do win the super bowl. Mm-hmm. I agree yeah. with what you- earlier in the show, Brandon. I don't think Keenum leaves Minnesota if they win the Super Bowl, but that could lead to end up being Shermer coming in and bringing Sam Bradford with him. Oh, God. Oh, no. No, no. No, 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 no. Well, let's also think about this. 
We've seen Case Keenum when he hasn't been under Pat Shermer. Are Minnesota fans prepared to deal with that? That is true. Hey, you know what? That that may be something that Minnesota may think about and say, hey, okay, we're losing our offensive coordinator who he's the only one that you're good under. We'll take our chances with Sam Bradford. And Teddy Bridgewater. And Teddy Bridgewater, yeah. More so considering, Did you say this is his last year, right, on his contract? For Keenum? Uh, yes, he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. So, yeah, I mean, if he's a free agent and Shermer leaves, goes to New York, and Keenum says, I'd rather go with him and and takes an offer from the Giants, yeah, that could easily work. Let's see, what else do we have here? Eric, do you have anything you want to touch on here? Uh, just highlighting the generosity of our dear, dear fans who we, we've really gotten it together after the unfortunate Seattle incident. We were nice enough to send Big Ben turnovers as a thank you and as a good luck towards next season and helping him to propel our success here in 2017. And we did it right. We sent him apple, cherry, and blueberry because we're thoughtful <laughs> like that. You guys are absolutely terrible people. So, speaking of paying it forward, let's go ahead and talk about the Cincinnati Bengals fans here, shall we? <laughs> oh, yes, but. Um, so you guys know the big thing that broke the last week of the regular season about how Buffalo fans showed up and showed out for Andy Dalton's charity? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it turns out Cincinnati fans are doing the same for Blake Bortles is now that they've knocked Pittsburgh out of the postseason. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this would be what you could call it charitably paying it forward, as it were. Uh you see, just the love and the good vibes. Everybody's getting into that spirit. Tis the season. Fa la 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 la. Oh, wait. We're too late for that. We're about a month late for that. Yeah. Anywho, I just I saw that story and it made me chuckle because it made me think of all the donations to Dalton's charity by Bills fans. And hey, it just I mean, it, hey, if if this is what fans want to do when when teams get knocked, when other teams help their rival teams get knocked out of the playoffs, I'm perfectly fine with it. Make the world a better place. Boy, I can only imagine if Jacksonville does the nigh impossible and beats the Patriots. <laughs> Boy, will money be flooding to charities from everywhere. Um, <laughs> Especially all the AFC East teams. Yeah. Uh, Eric? Yes? I'm a poor person, and I'll donate to Blake Bortles' charity if that happens. <laughs> Are you kidding? I donate to charity. I'd find my way to give the man a hug and present him a check myself. Or just say, here, this is my wallet. Take one. Thank you. (laughs) 
We will be getting to our predictions here shortly. Don't worry. Um, do we want to discuss anything else from the uh, from the other games this weekend? I think we pretty much hit on every single game, and so that happened. Or in uh, in our studs and duds. Yeah, that and uh, I, I'm just really talking about Philadelphia, Atlanta. Well, I mean that it, it was what fifteen ten. I mean, sorry, Matt Ryan. You gotta make that a better throw for Julio Jones to at least try to catch. <laughs> mm, I don't think that was entirely on Ryan because that's a that's a catch that Julio comes down with nine times out of ten. Yeah, but I mean that was even higher than it usually was. That being said, I thought that game was a disappointment. Oh yeah, it was. But we kind of expected as much from Philadelphia, from, uh, Philadelphia here just because of the fact that they're rocking their backup quarterback. They're rocking the second-string offense. They're rocking having not had the man that basically drove that offense and who, in my opinion, is the MVP for 2017-2018 in the National Football League in Carson Wentz. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I thought that the Falcons were going to go in and maybe not steamroll them, but I didn't think that the Eagles were going to win that game. Meanwhile, let's go ahead and break down each of the games here real quick individually here. Biggest surprise for you in the New England-Tennessee game, the fact that the referees were actually wearing white and black instead of wearing the uh, Patriots colors, because that was a surprise for me. <laughs> I mean, I mean the, the Patriots dominated this game anyway, so you can't really give the give too much credit to the refs on this game, but, you know. No, I'll agree. This this was a game that nobody expected Tennessee to have a chance in any way, but let's be honest here. There was some incredibly biased officiating in this contest. Well, what do you expect? It's Patriots against the Titans. I just, it agitated me. Some of those calls were just so blatantly obvious. It agitated me as a football fan that, oh, wait, he was offside, so we're going to go ahead and, oh, wait, no, he wasn't offside. It was a false start. Uh, uh, What do we call here, Bill? If you think the NFL officiating is bad, I well, you're a Florida fan, so it doesn't bother you, but unless you're playing Alabama, but. Could you like college football or college sports just in general is a thousand times worse? What were you saying, Eric? Oh, I was saying when it comes to referees in Florida, it's not so much Alabama, it's Auburn. Well, no, I'm, no, I'm just talking about because, you know, we're, we're talking about the Patriots Titans game, and I'm just saying because the Patriots have all the prestige, you know, of course they're going to get the calls. Well, not just so much the prestige. I mean, think about everything that the Patriots have gotten away with in the past. The referees are like, well, they're not going to do anything anyway, so what have we got to lose? (laughs) I just, I could not believe the ridiculousness of some of the calls in that match. Eh, I, I, I couldn't, but I can't put that one all on the refs. But it's just like, come on. You know you've already got an extra strike against you. You need to try harder. Shall we go ahead and discuss index card referee being the guy who's going to be in charge of the Super Bowl? Oh, God. 
Can 3M or some kind of, like, Staples, Office Depot, can someone sponsor him, please? Because <laughs> that, please, beg of you. <laughs> All right, I'm not going to lie. That would be kind of funny. Your head referee, Gene Serator, sponsored by Staples. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'd actually probably pop for that. Hey, I mean, considering how many, how much sponsorship deals are for the Super Bowl and how much those commercials are worth and everything, I'm sure that Staples or Office Depot or Office Max or whoever it would be jumping at the bit for that. Exactly. Yeah, we'll take an official like, referee sponsorship. We're good with that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was easy. First <laughs> Damn it. Uh, you popped me, Eric. How dare you? <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Do we have anything else to touch on and so that happens before we move on to our final segment for the week? Jalen Ramsey, there's a bye week before the Super Bowl, bro. <laughs> With that toehold, did AJ Green do something to you that we don't know about? Because, uh, yeah, it no. No, you can't. No, that, no, that was a bad. Maybe he's just over, maybe he's just overlooked New England because he thinks they're going to beat their butts so handily. Yeah, but then he says, "Okay, we're going to go next week, and then we're going to go the week after and win again." Sorry, but the Pro Bowl ain't worth that much to you. <laughs> you're for, you're forgetting the game, Jalen. <laughs> maybe he means that his team's going to win the Skills Challenge because that stuff is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm totally looking forward to dodgeball. <laughs> dodgeball, the catching balls from a drone. Yeah. Kudos to the skills challenge. They're doing it right. The NFL one, the quarterback one with the moving targets and stuff, having to throw them through the screens and stuff, that's pretty cool too. I I, I still I, I still like uh, baseball and basketball the best when it comes to the uh, non-game-based uh, all-star game stuff. Yeah, but it needs to stop being on a Monday for the All-Star game because it keeps running up against Monday Night Raw, and I can't have that. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then the All-Star game runs up against SmackDown. I have to decide what I'm going to watch. Am I going to watch Raw? Am I going to watch the Home Run Derby? Am I going to watch Raw? Am I going to watch the – and now I'm doing podcasts for them, and I don't really have much of a choice. <laughs> <sighs> Who knows? Maybe I'll just tell Sean I'm taking All-Star Tuesday off and we'll watch the All-Star game instead. Go <laughs> baseball! Yay! <laughs> All right. Football podcast. Let's continue on. <laughs> it's prediction time, guys. It's time for the conference championship game. Shall we start? Yep. Yes. Okay, so I'm torn here between my head and my heart. We're going to start with the first game, which is the AFC championship game. 305 Eastern, CBS, Jim Nance and Tony Romo on the call. I'm torn between my head and my heart here because my head tells me that New England is going to get the New England calls. New England is going to control the game New England style, and I would never trust anybody named Blake Bortles to beat Tom Brady in a postseason game that matters. That being said, I would argue that Jacksonville might be the hottest team in this postseason right now. Oh, definitely. Because they've proven that they can win a low-scoring game, and they've proven that they can win a shootout. I think this game falls somewhere in the middle, and as much as I want Jacksonville to win this game, 
I'd be a fool to bet against Tom Brady in an important game like this. I got to go with New England. Brandon? Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you are. My head saying there's no way the Patriots are going to lose this game, but my gut is saying don't uh don't uh count the Jaguars out because we saw what happened when we all counted them out last week. So, well, uh we all, we all counted them out except for Eric. Well, yes, of course. Well, but we expected Eric to pick them. So, uh this is- just so, but in my defense, I did pick Jacksonville to make the AFC Championship game when the playoffs started. Continue. True, I'll give you that. Um, I I can't like Harry said. I can't bet against the Patriots, especially in Gillette. Um, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be closer than the eight point five. Uh, line that they have on this game, I'm going to say 28-21, Patriots. I'm sorry, did you say the line was 8.5? Yeah. I saw 7.5 last I remember seeing on, it. I'm looking at ESPN right now, and it says 8.5. Well, either way, that's funny, because the line opened at 9.5. Wow. That tells me a few things. Interesting. However, I see two situations. I see a Jacksonville team with a head coach, although in a much less dramatic, much less meaningful situation, has gone to Gillette and beaten the Patriots and Doug Marone. I have seen I see a man in the front office who, as a head coach, has beaten the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl. I see the weather being a little bit of an advantage as well. A nice, balmy 45 degrees. That's very tolerable for this Jaguars team. But there's a bigger situation that haunts me even more. This is a Bill Belichick team that knows they're flawed. But this is a Bill Belichick that knows I've got all of my eggs in this basket for this season, for this run, because afterwards, I'm laying waste and I'm gone. I would rather do that with one more ring on my finger to throw one last double tall man to Robert Kraft, and then I go off golfing or doing whatever. While my heart says Jacksonville, and I'm picking them to cover easily, even at as little as seven and a half, New England, they've got too much more to lose. I can't bet against Bill right now. He's put way too many pieces into place. So I stick with my pick at the beginning of the season. I stick with my pick at the beginning of the playoffs. I got to put up with New England in one more Super Bowl. Yeah, I was right there with you. I picked New England to win the NFC as well, although I had them losing to the Packers in the Super Bowl, which, frankly, I still thought could have happened until Rodgers got hurt. True. So I'm going to have to stand by my prediction as well that the Patriots win the AFC. I don't have to like it, and as a (laughs) Buffalo Bills fan, I don't. But 
I just I don't see it. I don't see that this, this Jacksonville team being capable of knocking New England off. I think this game will be a lot closer than Vegas thinks it is. I'm actually somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty seven twenty one. I would say even twenty seven twenty four. But at the same time, when it comes down to crunch time, it comes down to who do I trust more, Blake Bortles or Tom Brady? That's an obvious answer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's and I honestly see it as when I say think of it this way, you only have to put up with this for about another three weeks. Then the Patriots are perfectly set up to be mediocre. To wit, I say good king riddance. Oh, you and me both. <laughs> Let's move over to Brandon's side of football here. Let's move over to the NFC and. Those Eagles, those logic-defying Eagles, who frankly had no reason to beat Atlanta but somehow did, host the Minnesota Vikings for the NFC Championship game at Lincoln Financial Field. And the Vikings, who had no reason to beat the the Saints, <laughs> no reason had no should have had no ability to win that game either. If Marcus Williams knew how to go for a tackle instead of an interception, yes, precisely. Your announcers for this game, this is the 7 o'clock game on, is it 6.30 or 7? I think it's 7. 6.40 on Fox. It is the Fox game. Your announcers will be Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Or if you're like me. Eagles the entire game. Or if you're like me, your announcers will be whoever has the Westwood One radio broadcast. (laughs) All right, I went first in the NF- I went first in the AFC game. So Eric, I'm gonna let you go first here since you went last. Well, everybody got on me for picking Minnesota, and you were all just a miracle catch away from making me look real stupid. I admit it. However, yes, Atlanta isn't entirely the best defense yes they've got some issues and uh, Nick Foles as an individual had a above average game that said you're at home and you only managed to get 15 points even with what Drew Brees did look what he had to do in the second half to give his team an opportunity to win That was your all-time Hall of Fame type of performance right there. I don't see Nick Foles coming close to that. It's going to be another low-scoring game. It's going to be another slobber knocker, but I'm sorry. Minnesota's got this one. Yeah, as it turns out, I picked a team from the NFC North to win the NFC this year. I just picked the wrong team from the NFC North to win the NFC this year. If this is Carson Wentz against Case Keenum, I'm taking Carson Wentz every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Easily. This is Nick Foles against Case Keenum, and that's a wash. (laughs) The defining thing here will be the defense. And a defense that got shown up in the second half against New Orleans is going to come ready to play on Sunday night. The Purple People leaders take the NFC. Minnesota wins 35-27. 
Did, did I just hear you correctly, Harry, that Nick Foles will be back for this game? Or, no, wait, no, let me... Wait, oh, I thought you meant Carson Wentz is going to be no, back next. I said, I said if this was Carson Wentz, oh. I'm taking Philadelphia. Yes, okay. Yeah, I I mean, I want to, and, and this is shocking coming from a Giants fan, but I want to say the Eagles are going to win this game. Um, but, yeah, I think I have to agree with you guys. I mean, the Eagles... Pulled out a shocker against Matt Ryan um, in Atlanta, or excuse me, at uh, Lincoln Financial this past weekend. But I think the miracle continues, especially after the high. Now, the only thing that I'd have to be worried about, especially with this being a pretty young Vikings team, is them to have a little sugar high from that win, that win last week. And them coming in a little uh, sloppy and falling behind to start off the game and then having to play catch-up. And that may hurt them. Uh, but I, I, I do think that the Vikings are going to figure out a way to pull this one out. That actually reminds me of something there, just completely off topic to the conversation we were just having here. Because those are our full predictions. All three of us have New England versus Minnesota as our title game. Did you guys see the meme about the steel uh, about the Steelers after the game against Jacksonville? No, Mm-mm. it's appropriate that they play at Heinz Field because the entire game they were playing catch up. That's a good one. Well, well, this is what happens. Mike Tomlin was coming into the facility. Everybody's like, "Man, he's really amped about something." This is the happiest I've ever seen him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Tisk tisk. You don't plan ahead, guys. You don't plan ahead. Nope. That is that, for sure. I hope I, I can genuinely sit here and say that I hope I'm wrong with my Super Bowl prediction because I 100% hope I am wrong with my Super Bowl prediction. I, I've been hoping I was wrong, but. Uh, yeah, still a big-time deal, don't you know? Vice to be the first team to break the ice and host a big one. <laughs> Eric suddenly turned Canadian on us. Canadian, Minnesotan, close enough. Minnesota borders Manitoba. I have friends in Winnipeg. They get it. <laughs> Not to mention, Sean would never forgive me if I went the entire episode without doing that. <laughs> What's that all about, eh? <laughs> Apologies to our friends in Canada. <laughs> that one and, wasn't on me. In, in Minnesota, apparently. <laughs> All right, Brandon, let's go ahead and talk about it here since we didn't touch on it and so that happened. But we are going to officially announce it for next year if it does come to fruition. Apparently, we will be getting, if rumors are to be believed... We will be getting stepped in McAdoo next year when he goes to the uh, appropriately named team, the Cleveland Browns. The, shall we say, crappiest team in the NFL. The jokes are, ma- are, are there for your enjoyment. 
We don't have to make the jokes, folks. They make themselves. Yes. I'm sorry. When the weather <laughs> even trolls you as a football team, you're bound for this to happen. I mean... <laughs> Uh, when the weather lets everybody know they went 0-16, and by the way, they're having this parade. This, oh, this is a gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> I live an hour outside of Cleveland. You need to go to this and, like, give us an eyewitness report of this. Yes. <laughs> have to try to make a Browns game next year just to see Stepton McAdoo do firsthand. <laughs> you know what the good news is? Is tickets will be cheap because this team is awful. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty That's sure cool. you can get a good deal on StubHub. I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> Especially if he does become the head coach and that does become a segment next year. Can they please just be the first team to ever go 0-16 two straight years? <laughs> oh, this poor fan base. I, I mean, imagine they could have yet another bigger parade this time around. And again, I'd still be willing to fly there in the middle of winter and be a grand marshal. Come on, Cleveland. You don't have a lot of people saying that right about now. Damn it, take advantage. Yeah, let the record show that Eric just wants an excuse to grand marshal a parade. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Hey, hey, Cle- Cleveland could Cleveland could uh, wait until – well, no, they probably won't win it this year. But Cleveland could, in theory, wait until uh, June and at least uh, combine the 0-16 parade with a good parade. Yeah, the Cavs ain't winning the title this year, homie. No. Uh, That's why I stopped myself. I don't know. Let them get to the finals again and see what happens. I'm giving him a puncher's chance. I don't know. Maybe, a t- to be fair, I really don't care that much about the NBA. <laughs> Fun episode tonight, guys. <clears throat> Agreed. Not much to touch on here, unfortunately, though, as the games get fewer and fewer. We will be obviously keeping up with you guys throughout the offseason here and there to talk about the coaching carousel, to talk about the NFL draft, to talk about once players report. And then we'll come back full time right around the start of preseason football, I would imagine, if that works out for everybody. Uh, uh, Let me just put one thing in before we go uh, about that, if that does end up happening. We we just need to have that as a weekly segment to see all the all the crappy uh, Browns decisions like them not sending the paperwork over to sign uh, Andy Dalton this year. AJ McCarron, you or mean? AJ McCarron, excuse me. All right, I'm going to give Cleveland credit here. That story has proven to be false. But the fa- I, I know this, but the fact that it. It was so like everyone took it at face value and didn't completely dismiss it right away. Just shows how terrible the Browns are. The fact that it was actually believable. Yeah, that I agree with. The fact that we actually thought that it could have been something that the Browns had done says all you need to know about the state of the franchise. I it just say no more. There are some things that just shouldn't be plausible. And yet here we have a head coach who's going to jump in a lake. 
Welcome and then they're pro- going to proceed to, to sign a head coach that we all that everyone already calls Matt Kadudu. If if there is anything more Cleveland than Hugh Jackson getting sick and being unable to coach the Browns after jumping in this in the lake, I don't know what it would be. <laughs> then then immediately signing Ben McAdoo. He's like, all right, McAdoo, well, you're already offensive coordinator. Yeah, we're just going to promote you, whatever. <laughs> you deal with this. Eric, where else can people hear you here on the W2M Network and find you elsewhere? Well, uh, we just did a recent episode of Football to the Max, which you can hear with myself and our awesome executive producer, Sean Garmer. We will be tuning up within the next couple of weeks, I would assume, because there's been a lot of big stories happening for soccer to the max as we slowly begin the countdown to the World Cup. Uh, I'm making arrangements for the Season 2 premiere slash catch-up megatacular of Point of Viewer, so stay tuned for that one. And as the off-season progresses, be prepared to read more of my musings on RaiderRamble.com. Especially now that the Raiders have a new coach to ramble about. Exactly. Not to mention, I need to officially find a way to angle a business trip to Vegas. Hmm. I wonder if that would be expensable. That's, hey, I know taxes. I'm writing and I'm covering them. Eh? Eh? IRS. You know the drill. I'm going to go back to dealing with an IRS of a different kind, specifically one named Michael K. Wall Street. Or Vincent Vincent K. Wall Street. Michael K. Wall Street. They couldn't make up their mind what they wanted to call him on WCW, could they, Brandon? No, they could not. And why would I be bringing up WCW right now by any chance? Do you happen to know? Because Harry and I are in the planning stages of creating a new wrestling show talking about the Monday Night Wars. We'll keep everybody up to date as far as how that comes along. In addition, we're going to be bringing fantasy football back to the W2M Network next season as well. And Brandon will be in charge of that along with Jason Teasley. Brandon, go ahead. Yep, we'll be uh, starting off with a year in review the week after the uh, Super Bowl. And then next year, well, we'll probably get a little bit more, uh, talk a little bit about the NFL draft. And then get into the full swing of things in August with uh, all you need to know about your fantasy draft. And then go week by week on the top performers and everything you need to know about fantasy football. Uh, next season, so be on the lookout for that. It almost feels like Studs and Duds is getting its own show. Pretty much, (laughs) yeah. You you know, if if you happen to enjoy the football conversation on this show and the banter between myself and Brandon, it turns out that, unfortunately, due to some familial circumstances, Liz Puglisi was unable to do the SmackDown Live and 205 Live reviews this week, so Brandon filled in for her. Thanks again for that, Bisco. I appreciate it. No problem. It's always fun uh, talking football and wrestling with you and getting to torture you two days in a row. <laughs> oh, torture's a strong word. Dilly dilly. Hit <laughs> <laughs> a misery! Dilly dilly! <laughs> Although now I'm looking at a cease and desist. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, so if you want to go ahead and check out Brandon Biscuit being filling in for Liz Puglisi with me on the SmackDown Live and 205 Live slash Mixed Match Challenge reviews. In addition, me and Patrick Ketza will be back not this Sunday, but next Sunday with Wrestling Unwrapped Reacts to the 2018 Royal Rumble. Regular episodes of Wrestling Rea- uh, Wrestling Unwrapped, but that's all folks. Pick up once again the Sunday after the Super Bowl, February 11th. So for our executive producer, Sean Garmer, Eric Watkins, Brandon Biscobing, I'm Harry Broadhurst thanking you for listening to The Kickoff here on the W2M Network, available online at W2Mnet.com. We'll talk to everybody next Wednesday night for the Pro Bowl, I guess. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.